Welcome to Stewardology, a podcast where two worlds collide. In this show, financial advisor Tim Russell and Reverend Drew Geisey come together to explore the intersection of financial stewardship and theology. Their unique perspectives help Christians and churches understand and apply a biblical framework for everyday financial decisions so Christians everywhere can improve and strengthen their walk with Christ through biblical stewardship. Before we get started, we just wanted you to know that the topics discussed in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations. Investing and investment strategies involve risk, including the potential loss of principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities and advisory services are offered through Genios Wealth Management, member FINRA and CIPIC. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim Russell and Drew Geisey. I'm Tim Russell. And I'm Pastor Drew Geisey. And we welcome you to another episode of The The Stewardology Stewardology Podcast. Podcast. You know, my dad is very fond of saying, don't die with an annuity. Your (laughs) kids will never talk to you again. I've heard him say it many times. Many times. (laughs) Mm, I chuckled at that. Well, Tim, today we're talking about annuities. This is by no means a sales pitch for annuities, but... Because it is a sensitive topic, there are some things that we want you, our listening audience, to know beforehand. Here's a disclosure. All types of annuities with insurance companies offer guarantees that are based on the claims paying ability of the underlying insurance company. They are not guaranteed by the FDIC or the U.S. government. Investors should review the insurance contract very carefully before purchasing an annuity. Death benefits and riders also have additional costs and expenses. Variable annuities are long-term investments designed for retirement purposes. They involve risk and are offered by prospectus only. Investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the insurance contract and its underlying investment options. The prospectus contains this and any other important information and should be read very carefully before you begin the investing process. The the, the main thing I think we need to understand, if, if I'm making a statement, don't die with an annuity. Before I explain why, I think we need to explain a little bit about what exactly an annuity is. I think that would be very good. So I'm just going to give a brief definition of this. It's an annuity is a complex contract between an individual and an insurance company. The individual either makes a lump sum payment or a series of payments and in return obtains regular income disbursements beginning either immediately or at some point in the future. And the goal of an annuity is to provide a steady stream of income during the retirement years. So I need to step in here and clarify that's one of the things that an annuity does. That's not what all annuities do. They can provide income. Right. Some of them just provide death benefit guarantees or other such guarantees. So it can be about income. It's not always necessarily about income. Good clarification. So, Tim, we covered quite a bit of this uh, in episode 81, I believe it was. We talked about different investment vehicles and annuities was included in sure, that. Sure. And just to bring our listeners up to speed – 
I think it'd be good two things. Number one, Tim, we spent a few minutes and you touch on these three different types of annuities, but we would also encourage you, jump back, maybe hit the pause button, jump back to episode 81 and listen to it there. But Tim, there's three different types of annuities. The the first one is (laughs) called... is yeah. a fixed annuity. So, Tim, explain what that is. A <laughs> fixed annuity. Uh, so, a fixed annuity is is one where you put your money into this this policy, this contract with an insurance company. Let's just say it's $100,000, and they give you a fixed rate of return for the life of that annuity. could be um, five years, 10 years, 30 years, uh, but you get that fixed rate of return. So you need to be aware if we're in a very low interest rate environment, you now have locked into a fixed annuity at a very low rate for a potentially very long time. Mm-hmm. Fixed annuities don't generally keep pace with inflation, so be That's aware That's an important that. piece to know. So our second one of the three is called an indexed annuity, yeah. sometimes called a fixed equity indexed or equity indexed. Tim, explain that, <laughs> if you can, which I know you can. So, so these kind of annuities, these equity indexed annuities or fixed equity indexed annuities are designed to give you your cake and let you eat it too. You can have your cake and eat it too. You know that phrase, right? Uh, That saying? Do you get icing also with it? Uh, d- depends if you pay for the uh, optional icing rider. <laughs> um, no. So with, with these policies, instead of getting a fixed rate of return, you, you can have the money track a particular index, hence the name indexed annuity. Mm-hmm. So like the S&P 500 in a previous episode, we talked about it's 503 of the biggest companies yep. in America. And you know, if the, the, at the end of the year, that index is higher or lower, your performance is going to track. So if the market or the index happens to have a good year, you can participate in some of the growth, some of the up. And if it happens to have a bad year, you don't get any of the down. Sounds nice. What they don't tell you is that it's there is a participation rate and there are ways in which it's calculated based on the methodology you or your your agent per, uh, happens to sell you, whether it's a strict year to year or a month to month. There are all kinds of caps and shenanigans that go on, which makes it sound like at one point you could just make all the up with none of the down, but at the end of the day, you get a fraction of the up and none of the down, which nets out to be usually, in my completely biased opinion, not all that great of a long-term return Mm -hmm. in many cases. So indexed annuities sound really good. They're often slick sales pitch products, and I my hackles go up generally when I see some of those sales pitches, uh, you know, and you've heard me say some of these sales pitches in previous episodes, you know, like buy now, cause yeah. you get the mar- go up and the market goes up and you'll never go down when the market goes down. And you, why don't I put all my money there? That sounds like I should have my cake and eat it too. It, it doesn't actually give you your cake and eat too. It makes it think that you're going to. These are the ones we hear on know. TV and radio, yeah, yeah. especially when there's market, market issues, yep. they pump yep. up with a lot more. Why put your money in the market? You can, Put your money here and get a little bit of a return and not have all of the loss. So of our three different types of annuities, fixed annuities, we covered index annuities, and now variable annuities. Yeah, variable annuities are – so instead of using an index that you you can invest in, you can actually choose underlying investment 
products similar to mutual funds. They're not called mutual funds. They're called sub accounts, but they're similar to mutual funds in the way they operate. And, and, you get all of the up and you get all of the down. Mm-hmm. So there's no cap on the upside and there's no cap on the downside. You get the best or worst of both worlds. Uh, these policies have higher expenses. So you have to pay for the the expense of the underlying fund. If there's an expense for the insurance policy itself, and if you have riders like a death benefit rider, a special death benefit rider, or a special income rider, those things could cost more too. So they tend to be rather expensive, but they can offer at times some attractive um, some some attractive options for us. Okay. So let's let's now we've covered that big picture of the annuities. And again, go run back to that previous episode eighty one and that'll help give you some a good big picture of things. Tim, how do annuities work? Well, it's, I think it's helpful for us to know um from a tax standpoint, there are different kinds of annuities. I said there are three kinds of annuities early, the fixed, the right. indexed, and the variable. Well, there's another way of looking at annuities from a tax perspective, and it's the difference between qualified and non-qualified. Okay. This you you got to really, explain this one. Well, so this is really important to understand the whole point of this episode. Don't die with an annuity. You need to understand the difference between a qualified and a non-qualified annuity. It sounds like, well, you, everyone wants the qualified. Nobody should want a non-qualified. That sounds like a bad thing. Right. Um, and there are pros and cons of all of them. So a qualified annuity comes – is essentially what that means. It's qualified from an IRS retirement standpoint, from a tax standpoint, it's treated as pre-tax dollars. So every dollar that goes into the annuities is is like an IRA or a 401k. The money has never been taxed. It grows tax deferred. And when you take income from that at some point in the future, you'll pay tax at ordinary income tax rates, just like a normal IRA. Right. So qualified simply means it's qualified from a tax perspective, meaning that all of the dollars are pre-tax. Okay. A non-qualified simply means it doesn't meet that qualification standard. It has both pre-tax and post-tax dollars in it, or I should probably more accurately say it has post-tax and can have pre-tax dollars in it. Okay. This is what I mean by that. Um, you take money that you've earned, you've worked hard for your entire life, you receive those dollars via your paycheck. By the way, every single one of those dollars got taxed through your paycheck, right? They they withheld taxes. So the money you get is the after-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. You take some of those after-tax dollars and you buy a non-qualified annuity with it. You have what's called, and we're going to get into this a little bit more detail, there's a portion of that money that you've already paid taxes on. And as it grows, all of the growth you've not paid taxes on. Mm -hmm. And then at some future date, when you take money out of that contract, you will have to pay taxes on the gain. Makes sense. So uh, this is really important because the the statement, don't die with an annuity, we are primarily concerned about non-qualified annuities rather than qualified annuities. The, the difference between having the money in an IRA and a qualified annuity is negligible. There's really no meaningful tax 
difference okay. between having the two. There, there could be an expense difference and a benefit difference between the two, but from a tax standpoint, they're taxed the same way. Not so with a non-qualified annuity. Okay. Um, so in a non-qualified annuity, you have to deal with the growth is taxed. There, there's, a, there's a tax concept called first in, last out. I've heard you say that before. Now, first in, last out means that the first thing that went in was the money that has already been taxed. Mm-hmm. That means when you take the money out, that the last thing to be taxed is your tax-free money, the money that you've already paid taxes on. So essentially, another way we can look at it is last in, first out. The last thing that goes into the annuity is all of the gains, all right. of the growth. So. As you take a withdrawal, that's the first thing from an IRS perspective that they're going to deem you're taking. So here's a scenario. You put $10,000 into a a product and it grows to $20,000. And then you take $5,000 out of that. You're taxed on $5,000 of gains, but it's not taxed as capital gains, it's taxed as ordinary income. Okay. So, so maybe at this point, it might be helpful for us to compare and contrast. When we talked about qualified annuities, I compared it to a traditional IRA. Right. It's taxed the same way. But in a non-qualified annuity, that would be comparable to just an individual or joint investment account. Maybe you have a mutual fund at a mutual fund company. It's jointly held. The way that that works is you put in $10,000, it grows to $20,000, and then you take $5,000 out. Well, first of all, the $5,000, normally it's treated as part growth and part principal. Mm -hmm. You get to treat it as like maybe an average cost basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you don't pay all the taxes on that $5,000. You just pay taxes on the part that's considered gain. Correct. And you don't pay ordinary income tax, you pay capital gains tax, which is always going to be lower than your than your ordinary income tax. Okay. So capital gains rates are usually about 15%. If your income is low enough, it's 0%. You pay zero tax on that gain. Mm-hmm. That's very attractive. Sure. Or or if you're making enough income, maybe over $60,000, $80,000, that capital gain is taxed at 15%. Okay, not the end of the world. Right. Sure, better than your ordinary income, which might be 20, 22, 25, 26%, whatever that rate happens to be. Interesting. So you're going to save money on taxes. Right. In the annuity, remember the scenario. You put in 10, it grows to 20, you take out five, you pay tax on all of the five because it's deemed the last thing that went in. That's the first right. thing that comes out. That's your growth. Right. And it's not taxed at capital gains rates, 15%. It's taxes, ordinary income tax. Mm. So you're paying more taxes on that. So you're already getting a sense for why dying with an annuity might be a problem. We'll, we'll flesh this out a little bit more, but taxes are a big part of the problem. Well, that was great, Tim. But what happens at death? When it comes to dying with an annuity, we often get worried about taxes. In much of our discussion, we will assume that the owner of the annuity has passed away and their children or grandchildren will be inheriting the annuity. But there's an important distinction that we must make beforehand, and that is if the spouse is the joint owner or sole beneficiary of the annuity, in many cases, 
the surviving spouse may continue the contract as the owner, thus preserving the tax-deferred status. So keep this in mind when processing how annuities are passed on. Spouses are treated differently than perhaps another family member or the next generation that inherits it. What makes taxes so confusing is the idea of cost basis. Tim, we need a little help from you. We need you to help me and also our listening audience understand the general idea of cost basis. I understand that this is for investments, not necessarily in an annuity. But can you explain what general cost basis is and how it all works? So cost basis is a is a tax concept for the amount of money upon which taxes have already been levied. So in the scenario where I take $10,000 that I have earned through my paychecks and I put them into a mutual fund or a stock that's not held inside an annuity, not held inside an IRA, it's just an individual account, all of those dollars have already been taxed. So the $10,000, that's already been taxed. If it grows to $20,000 and I sell the whole thing, the $10,000 is considered my cost basis. That's the money that's already been taxed. I don't have to pay taxes on that again. Mm-hmm. So when I get the 20000 out, I only pay taxes on the gain portion, Correct. which would be the $10,000 of growth. Right. So cost basis is simply the amount of money that you've already paid taxes on. Let me use a different analogy. Uh, if you make $50,000 a year and you decide to take $5,000 of that 50 and invest it into Apple stock in a joint investment between you and your spouse, that $5,000 came out of your paycheck, you'd already paid taxes on it. Now, let's just imagine if Apple stock goes from $5,000 worth, that's how much you put into it, to $50,000 worth, you had a significant growth. That's a tremendous investment. If you don't have to pay taxes, uh, so when you sell that, you you take your money out, you you sell, you take your $50,000, you reinvest Mm -hmm. into something else, you don't have to pay taxes on the first $5,000. You do have to pay taxes on the next forty-five, Right. Because that money you've not paid taxes on, that's your gain. So Tim, that's a good picture of that. I've heard this phrase, cost basis step up. Explain Ah, that one. Okay. So this is in the context of the bigger question, what happens at death? Yes. I have to say, under current tax law, this is the year 2023, Mm -hmm. uh, if you die with a mutual fund or a stock not held in an annuity, right? This is just an individual account, not an IRA. You bought it for $5,000. It grows to $50,000. If I die and I leave that to my kids, or Drew, I, I feel really nice about you, and I, I want to leave it to you. Thank you, Tim. I'm, I'm, I'm touched. You would receive a step up. The cost basis would have a step up from the value that I purchased it at, $5,000, to the value of the stock on the date of my death. Let's pretend that the value of those stocks are $50,000. Mm-hmm. So your cost basis goes from $5,000 what I paid for it, right. to $50,000, the value of the stock on the date of my death. So, Tim, would you make that either Apple or NVIDIA stock for me, please? Wh- whichever you choose, Drew. The uh, choice is yours. I appreciate it, Tim. Uh, assuming I had either one of those stocks. Anyway, um, 
the, the point here is that the, the cost basis, if I die, let's, let's just go back to our, our analogy where it was not in an annuity. It's just a, I'm, I'm, I'm not dead yet. Let's go back to that. If I'm not dead, remember, um, I sell it $50,000. I take the $5,000. I don't have to pay taxes on it. Right. If I give it away to you while I'm alive, the $5,000 cost basis goes with the gift. So you get $50,000 worth of stock. Your cost basis is $5,000. So that transfers right across. Yeah. So if you sell it for $50,000, you are paying capital gains at $45,000 of capital gains tax. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. You certainly better than not having $50,000. Right. Okay. In a death scenario, if if I just choose to leave it to you through my will or through a beneficiary designation like a transfer on death. Right. The basis jumps from five to fifty, so it jumps right up to the top. And they're talking at the, at the, at the date of death. Yes. Now they're currently talking about ways in which they could restrict that or take away the step up in basis rule, so they get more tax dollars. But under current laws, it's it's absolutely an option. Here's the kicker: in a qualified annuity, makes no difference. There's no step up in basis because there's no basis inside the qualified annuity. Inside your IRA, how much money have you already paid taxes on? None. None. (laughs) All of the money is pre-tax. Exactly. Basis doesn't really matter. This podcast is not really trying to address qualified annuities. In a non-qualified annuity, there's a huge difference. Wait, wait, wait. How big? Huge. (laughs) So there's a huge difference with a non-qualified annuity. So uh, maybe if we we would illustrate, let's use some bigger numbers. If if you had $100,000 and um, it grows to $200,000, it's $100,000 a gain. Now, that's that's massive. And then you die. Huge. Huge. And you die and you leave it to your kids. Inside an annuity, there is no step up in basis. So the hundred thousand is tax free. The hundred of gain is ordinary income, no step up in basis, and your children must pay ordinary income tax on that money. Mm. So we're now dealing with a potentially huge tax bill mm-hmm. that your children might have to pay when you die. They inherit that money and they close the account. They actually take the money out of that account, they'll have to pay taxes on a lot of that money. So this is a problem where your kids, if if they're in a higher tax bracket, could be inheriting a tax time bomb because Mm -hmm. they're going to be taxed at a much higher rate than what you would have been taxed at had you simply redeemed some of that annuity, claimed some of that income and paid taxes at your lower rate. This is one of the reasons why my dad says, if you die with an annuity, don't die with an annuity because your kids will never talk to you again because they have to pay so much in taxes. Sure, sure. And and you say it, it's a double whammy. Again, yeah. re- repeat that, why it's a double whammy. It's a double whammy because not only are are you having the tax be ordinary income tax Which is rather higher, than capital, rate, capital, capital gains, gains yeah. right? You're also losing a step up in basis. Yeah. If that money was held in a normal mutual fund or stock environment outside of an annuity, outside of an IRA, you would have ordinary or capital gains tax rather than ordinary income. So a lower rate. Right. 
And at death, if you inherit it through a death scenario, you would have a step up in basis under current laws. Wonderful. So you lose that inside an annuity. So Tim, you, you lay out this scenario about not dying with an annuity. But let's say somebody comes into the office, they sit down with you with a stewardship review, and they hear you speak to this, and they say this, Tim, my parents have a non-qualified annuity. What do I do? What, what are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, so I, I don't know how much advice I can really give a child, but I would tell the parent is that if you're in a low income tax bracket and your children are in a high income tax bracket, there is clearly going to be a problem. So let me tell you a story. Um, this was a story my dad likes to tell. Uh, he had a client, this was during the 90s, who took, I'm guessing it was like $100,000, put it in annuity, he doubled it. In the course of a couple of years, it was the the dot com era. Everything yeah. was working well. This guy was so excited, and he wanted to you know do it again. Right. So so my dad put it in a little longer, and it doubled again. So it's now this was four hundred thousand dollars. And my dad's like, okay, look, take your money. Yeah, <laughs> you should take some of your money. Go buy a car. Do something with this money. And and he he looked at at Roy, my dad, and he said, look, I don't want a single one of my my dollars to go to pay for Bill and Hillary. I I don't want to pay the taxes if I don't have to pay the taxes, so I'll keep it in the annuity as long as I can. His wife uh, passed away mm. sometime later, and um, he's doesn't want to take any money out of the annuity, and he's sitting on a sizable account with uh, his two children making close to a million dollars each. They're both doing incredibly well financially and they're in a very high bracket. The client was in a very low bracket. Their mm. social security and a small pension is all the income they've got. Mm -hmm. So they're paying next to no taxes. My dad goes to him and says, look, we're taking money out of this account. Why? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to pay taxes. Here's the deal. You're paying taxes one way or another. You can pay a little bit of taxes now, or you can leave it to your kids, and they can pay a lot of taxes. Mm. Which would you rather pay the government? You have to pay something. Do you want to pay a little bit of taxes now or a lot of taxes later? So in this particular scenario, this client chose, although begrudgingly, because he still sure. didn't want to have to pay taxes, but he did see the logic and the wisdom of, of paying a little bit of taxes now, took some money out at his low rate to try to start pulling down the amount of money inside mm. that annuity, sure. paying very little taxes. He was like at a 10% bracket right. on that distribution rather than 30 to 40% his kids would have paid sure. at their very high brackets. Right. So that's where we think about something called tax arbitrage. We want to take taxes and pay at a low rate rather than at a higher rate. So if possible, look to take distributions from the annuity to manage how much taxes will eventually be paid. Now I say that and there are caveats and potential warning signs that might be going off in the educated's mind, right? If you take a distribution from an annuity and it's too big, you could upset the apple cart from other 
perspective. Sure. There, there are lots of reasons why when doing this, you need to talk to a financial professional, financial advisor, tax professional to make sure that you can calculate how much to take as a distribution without disrupting government benefits you may receive, the cost of your Medicare, your Medicare surcharge. There could be higher premiums for you if you take too large of a distribution, the amount of your social security that could be included in taxability. Look, these aren't reasons to not do it, but you need to be at least aware of the potential impacts of taking a distribution. You should still do it, but make sure you don't take too much to potentially cause broader problems. And the best way to make sure you don't don't take too much is number one is Talk to your financial professional. They can help guide you. But in connection with that is to bring in a tax professional that can Mm -hmm. run different scenarios. They can work the spreadsheets and say, okay, this is where your your cap is, your limit is. And once you go over this dollar figure, it's going to put you in a different arena and you're going to have to pay more. So let me tell you about a couple of the the things that earning this income on your Social Security could impact. So the first – I'm sorry. Your tax return. Earning this income on your tax return could affect several other factors. So let's talk about a couple. Number one, it's Social Security. Depending on whether you're married, joint, or filing single, um, your Social Security could be entirely non-taxable or taxed up to 85%. Now, that's not the tax rate. That's how much of your Social Security earnings ends up as part of your adjusted gross income. Up okay? to, not, not up 85. To so it's a very So if you made $10,000 from Social Security, up to 8500 85%, would show up in your in your taxable column. But that's the important piece is up to it. Doesn't yeah. mean all 85%. So this isn't a reason to not take a distribution, right. but if you take a distribution, it could impact the amount of taxable income you have. You, you could make it a, $15,000 distribution and your taxable income could go up by $20,000 because mm-hmm. some more of your social security is being added to your taxable income. Interesting. Yes. Just be aware just because do- that's going to impact how much tax withholding you may want to do. Yeah. So that's one thing, social security. Another thing I mentioned this earlier, your Medicare premiums for part B could go up. This is the Medicare surcharge. If you make more than a certain amount of money, a married filing joint, I don't know the exact number, but it could be around like $100,000, $150,000. You make more than that, your premiums in the next year or two could go up. Mm. And and the more you make, the higher those premiums go above that threshold. So you can Google Medicare premium surcharge and learn more about it. It's called the IRMA tax. Uh, And then an additional component would be for very low-income individuals. Distributions from an annuity could disqualify them for different Medicaid benefits, Um, transportation assistance, other forms of rebates that they may qualify for because of low income. So, Tim, we started off with this question. Don't die with an annuity. So let's capsulize this. Why shouldn't I die with an annuity? Hmm. Well, I mean, the first reason is taxes. Dying with an annuity becomes an incredibly complicated mess when it comes to your tax returns or the, the tax returns more accurately of your children. Mm. It all comes down to what is the tax impact on your children or grandchildren, your beneficiaries, 
The tax impact that you might pay today could pale in comparison to the higher taxes that your children, your beneficiaries could pay when they inherit your non-qualified annuity. One potential solution to the tax problem would be to consider donating the annuity to charity, to nonprofit organizations. If you have a large gain, list your church or nonprofit organization as a beneficiary of your annuity to maximize the amount of money that's going tax-free to a nonprofit organization. That's that's a wonderful idea. Yeah. So they can actually take that and make the beneficiary instead yes. of their children. They can make their children beneficiaries of other investments that they may have. But non, other non-qualified investments that are going to be um, not taxable for them. Exactly. Non, I, sorry, I said non-qualified investments. What I meant was other investments in your in your state, like IRAs, Roth IRAs, right. and things like that. You give the taxable assets to the tax exempt organizations. Leave the tax free assets for your kids. Now, you still may want to leave some of the money to your kids, but we can reduce the impact by giving the taxable assets or some of those taxable assets to nonprofit. What a great idea. Yeah. And now the church, do they need to have a brokerage account for that? We talked about no. that in a previous no, 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 no. It's episode. It's not a brokerage account, no. So basically they just put in at the church or the ministry as a beneficiary. And the church would then fill out a beneficiary claim form and then they would send them a check. How wonderful is that? Yeah. So, so if you're out there and you have an annuity, don't die with it Yeah. Do, first and well, foremost— yeah, you but, know, if you, try, but if you can't get rid of it without blowing up your personal tax return, exactly. this is one solution. That's, that's a great solution, Tim. That is a great solution. Uh, the, another thing to keep in mind here is non-qualified annuities, or they're, they're actually really good at managing taxes today. The, the reason that someone might use a non-qualified annuity is because I don't want to pay capital gains I, mm. on the, you know, if you have a mutual fund, you have to pay capital gains taxes every year with capital gains or are, are, are distributed, even if you haven't sold it. But in an annuity, you don't have that. It's tax sheltered. So it does help shelter or reduce income now, but they're terrible. They're terrible at managing taxes in the future during distributions. All of the gains, all of the dividends are taxed as ordinary income. I, I, I probably need to rephrase that. It's it's not all of the dividends themselves, but the cumulative effect of the mm. dividends, the capital gains, and sure. the different distributions inside the annuity, the growth of those products are taxed as ordinary income, which can definitely move you into a higher tax bracket if you're not aware or careful. So we want to avoid that whammy on the tax bill. So as we wrap this episode up, here is a good passage of scripture kind of close out our thinking here. That's Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. There may be some internal comforts that may direct you toward getting an annuity, and we understand that, but there are many questions that ought to be asked. And if you want to be a blessing to your kids and your grandkids, ask questions. Annuities bring an element of comfort, peace, and even sleep for today, but as we just shared, they could be a complication and a tax burden to your kids along with being a cash cow for Uncle Sam. Matthew twenty two twenty one says this, then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's 
and to God the things that are God's. As stewards, we are to pay our taxes and specifically our fair and appropriate share of taxes. But with good planning, with wisdom from financial and tax professionals, you will only have to pay what is needed and not a penny more. And that would be for you and also for those that will inherit any of the remaining assets that you can't steward anymore that you're asking them to steward. So if you work with those that know and understand taxation in your estate plan, you could be even more generous to your church and other ministries that you are passionate about along with being a blessing to your kids. And if you plan properly and mitigate that tax burden as best as you can, you could exemplify this verse in a deeper way. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Plan well and minimize any tax burdens for today and also for tomorrow. And you may be even able to bless your grandkids with an inheritance. Well, thank you for joining us in this episode of Stewardology Podcast. Remember to share your ideas. We actually really like to hear from you. So tell us what matters to you, what ideas, what questions you have, and we'd be happy to tackle them in future episodes. Go to stewardologypodcast.com forward slash idea. Take advantage of your free stewardship review. If you have a non-qualified annuity and want to know what to do with it, how do I manage the taxes and not blow it up? Go to stewardologypodcast.com forward slash review for your no obligation, no slick sales pitch presentation where we're trying to help you become an even better steward. Remember to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, five stars, please. And go to our show notes on this on our website, stewardologypodcast.com for more helpful information. All right. Until next episode, take care, God bless, and remember... Do not die with an annuity. Your kids will never talk to you again. Thank you for joining us on the Stewardology Podcast, where financial stewardship and theology meet. We'd like to help you take your next steps in biblical financial stewardship. First, subscribe in your podcast provider to get the newest episode delivered to you every week. Next, follow us on social media and visit our website at stewardologypodcast.com. There you can find our social media links and our entire episode archive. Remember, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See you next week on the Stewardology Podcast. Securities and advisory services offered through Genios Wealth Management, member FINRA and SIPC.